Now, everybody ready for, for the word today? Let's go. Why don't you turn with me to, uh, to Romans chapter 16. Romans the 16th chapter. Father, we're so thankful for what you're doing in our hearts, in our lives today. Thankful for your amazing love and grace. Thank you for your provision and power, your strength for this hour. Thank you you're leading us and guiding us into all the truth, directing us into your plan that we might walk in the fullness of who you are. Give each one eyes to see and ears to hear today, hearts open wide and receptive in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. There is much talk these days about drawing awareness to various ills in our world. Constantly you hear in different forums that we need to raise awareness. Everybody know what I'm talking about? And, and sometimes it's, it's uh, issues like, um, you know, human trafficking or some, some kind of uh, very grievous thing that's going on in the world. And, and I think sometimes uh, these awareness campaigns do help uh, people to step up and do something about a problem they didn't know existed. All right. Sometimes those uh, uh, these campaigns are, uh, and oftentimes centered around diseases. You know, like being aware of cancer, cancer awareness, and and uh, and we don't want anyone to have cancer <laughs> or any other disease. And, and and thank God the Lord doesn't want anyone to have that disease or any other kind of disease. Uh, sometimes, though. When people get involved with raising the awareness of certain ills and certain negative things, what happens as an end result of that is it serves to actually reinforce a person's consciousness of and belief in problems. And sometimes in these situations, the end result is not less people with the problem, but more people with the problem. And the more and more and more people become knowledgeable of and think about and meditate on and live with the consciousness of, the more susceptible they become and society at large becomes to those very issues. Now, hold on to your seat today because I might be saying some things that might be new to a few people. But I do my best not to bore you. (laughs) <laughs> I'll make you mad or glad, but <laughs> hopefully glad, and, uh, and the Lord will be magnified and will be helped in the, in the middle of this. So I want you to, uh, you know, like they say, eat the whole roll, <laughs> you know, listen to everything that has to be said, and, uh, and pay attention and see if the Lord might minister to you today. I don't want negative things. I don't want the things of this world, the things about the things that are would be biblically described as a curse to take root in my heart. What I want to do is is live far from them and live to be the exceptional because most people aren't there, but learn to live above and live free from and live um uh live in the blessing of God on a higher level. 
And the way that we're going to do this, the way that I can do this, is I must realize that, that knowledge is key. And not just a, a knowledge that puffs up, but a love that edifies. But a, a revelation of what Jesus has done for me. And when, I, when and I'm fully aware of all that He has provided and all that He has done, then I have an opportunity to elevate my life and go and live at a higher plane. And I have to be subject to all the things of this world. But right now it's the exception rather than the rule. Even amongst those who call themselves Christians for people to live in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. For people to live free from the things that Jesus gave his life and shed blood for. Most people say, I believe it. I accept it. They'll acknowledge it. But the experience of that is far beneath their statement of faith. And we want to avoid this. Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 7 says that as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Consider that. As he what? Thinks, he is. If a person thinks a certain way, they is that way. And so if I want to be different in any area of my life, I need to what? Think different. I need to replace the thoughts that caused me to experience what I have and what I am today with new thoughts. And if those new thoughts will become the norm and become my way of living, then I will be what those new thoughts are. Everybody with me today? So if a person is as he thinks, we don't want to think problems, but rather solutions. We don't want to think disease We want to think health. We don't want to think poverty. We want to think well-supplied. We don't want to think sad. We want to think glad. Everybody with me? But if I can control my thinking, and if I can intentionally cause myself to think in a way that is consistent with and in alignment with God Himself, then I get to experience a God-level life. A God quality of life. Hallelujah. So let's not believe that we can think all the wrong things. Just day to day, throughout our day. Think, 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 think. In other words, be aware of and conscious of all the evils and ills of of the world. And then pray it away. I'm going to spend 24-7 thinking wrong, believing wrong, thinking inconsistent with God's love, His ways, His promises, and Jesus. And then, when everything is falling apart, my life is just blown to smithereens, I'm going to come and have a prayer. And bam, everything's going to be set right again. The way that God works and the kingdom of God works is not just do everything wrong and fix it with a prayer. Now, if you've recognized you've done a lot of things wrong, I'm thankful uh, for, for prayer. I'm thankful I can ask my Father and He hears me and answers me. But, in, but the, 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 the sum total of a life that is connected with and a life that is in relationship with God is not just about 
I live the same way I used to live, I think the same way I used to think, and then I tack a prayer on the end, and that fixes it. It is, we want to be consumed with God in all of our thoughts, our ways, our actions, how we see things, and of course, how we communicate with Him and receive answers and receive help and direction. I don't want to segment my life, I want Him to be the, my all in all. Fully encompassing everything I do, everything I say, how I think. Because again, Proverbs says I'm going to be the way I think. Our communication with God is partly about us having God in our thoughts. Not just I think like the world, I think like sin and problems and junk, and then I take my messed up mind and occasionally I'll put it on the Lord for a few minutes and Think about Him. No, our communication with God needs to be constant, needs to be continuous. And the more people are aware of things, of certain things, the more they exist in their life. Whether we're talking about sin, you meditate and think about and are conscious of sin constantly, you'll struggle with it. Whether you're talking about disease, you meditate and think on and are conscious of and, and, and consume with thoughts uh, of those issues, you'll have trouble with it. Or, here's an idea, Jesus. If you could be consumed with, conscious of, mindful of, and continu- continually filled with thoughts of Jesus the person, the Savior, the Healer, the Forgiver, the Redeemer, huh? our friend and our guide, our, our refuge and our strength, the one who gave His life for us and all that He came to do. If I could live conscious of that and have Him on my mind, then I'm going to have, I'm going to have, you know, using the same language, I'm going to have, I'm going to have a problem with too much Jesus in my life, which is not a problem. I'm going to have a problem with all that he came to, to give me in my life, which is not a problem, which is what I want. And so I'm thinking we need to raise awareness. And so that's my new series, Jesus Awareness. Everybody with me today? Okay. I've even got my wristband on. That's it. Romans chapter 16. Romans chapter 16, beginning in verse 19. Well, just just the 19th verse right now. Just 19. Paul writes here, For your obedience has become known to all. Therefore, I am glad on your behalf. But I want you... To be wise in what is good and simple concerning evil. Interesting phrase there. What does he want? Wisdom concerning what's good and simple concerning evil. What do we often have instead of that? We often have individuals who, are, who know very little about what is really important, about truth and about life and about Jesus. 
but they are experts when it comes to everything wrong. I can tell you the ins and the outs and the ups and the downs and, and, uh, and they know everything about, about sin and everything about wrongdoing and maybe they call themselves street smart or something and, and, and maybe take pride in their knowledge of everything that's wrong in the world. But that's really not commended in Scripture. To be well-versed, highly knowledgeable about all the problems. In fact, it would do our personal lives a whole lot of good if we knew less about what all the problems were and more about the solution and more about Jesus. Everybody with me now? Am I I rocking anyone's boat yet? Because if you tell me no, I'm going to start. Guy I knew used to say, I'm not here to, he's a preacher from Australia. He said, I'm not here to rock your boat today. I'm here to tip it over. (laughs) Because sometimes we find ourselves just influenced by the culture around us and we think, yeah, this is normal. I need to know these things. I need to be aware of this when we're actually hindering our personal progress by studying out, by being knowledgeable and conscious of so many things that are wrong. The Amplified Bible says of this verse, I would have you well-versed and wise as to what is good and innocent and guileless as to what is evil. Notice, he said, I want you to be well-versed in what is good. Just the opposite then. He said, I don't want you to know a whole lot about the wrong things that are going on. Obviously, we can't avoid that completely. We live in a fallen world. There's a lot of trouble, a lot of wrong things going on. We're going to be aware of some of it. But here's what we're supposed to focus on. We're supposed to be well-versed in what is good. How many people, how many people when they experience uh, some type of negative symptom in their body, some pain or, or, or something in their body, the immediate thing that they do is they go to the Internet to search out those symptoms. Immediately respond to an opportunity for something to be wrong by searching it out. And diagnosing themselves and, and looking for all the symptoms and all the problems. And, and, and you know what I'm talking about here? Is this just my idea? Oh yeah, I looked that up for you. It's bad. It's called, you know, and you can't even say the word unless you're a doctor. Right? Because it's, uh, it's got a really long name. Bad news is you're two and two billion that get that. Or whatever. But people study out the problem, become well-versed, and they look it all up, do all the research, spend hours and hours of time for something that just might be what they have. And as I study the Scripture, and as I see how the kingdom of God works, I see that type of behavior as a direct contributor to the problem, as opposed to what, they, what that person wants is, is help. That person wants an answer. They want to be free. But we've been trained to do the opposite. We've been trained to find. And then, then they'll find, well, it's, it's this food you're, you're eating. Or it's this in your genetics. Or it's this, and, and I'm not a doctor. I can't explain those things as well as some could. But they'll, they'll say, it's this, and this is this. And what happens is that person becomes more and more mindful and conscious of the flesh. And less mindful, less conscious of spiritual things. Because in the Spirit, it's not a problem at all. In the Spirit, it's already been taken care of. 
The curse has been born. Jesus took stripes for the healing. Huh? It's in the Spirit that we have answers and we have life and we can live free. But it's when we get so caught up and mindful of and aware of fleshly things that they begin to take root in our soul. They begin to dominate our bodies and influence us in a negative way. And so it seems, you know, you tell me what you think, but it seems more and more these days, people, everyone's allergic to everything. I mean, sometimes I wonder about this, and I've realized people will say, well, this is the reason. It's because of our uh, diet, and it's because of our this and that, and what's in the soil, and what's in the air, and, and, and there's always a reason why, why everybody's allergic to everything, and if you're allergic to something, I'm not coming down on you today, I'm here, I, I'm telling you something, I believe, and I'm convinced with all my heart, we'll set you free, and we have testimonies around, if you think it's baloney, t- ask a few questions, because there are people all around here that used to have it, used to be that way, and they're no longer that way anymore, so if it's new and you want to throw it out, don't. For your own sake. But there's always a reason. Well, this is why you have this. And it's for this cause and it's this reason. I don't care about that. Huh? Well, you need to stop eating this. Well, you can if you want, but I'm not going to. Why? Because that would be given into the flesh. Oh, I, I'm going out there now, aren't I? <laughs> I don't want to act in such a way where I'm giving prominence to fleshly things over spiritual things. Because I believe and am convinced that everything we see was created by things we don't see. I'm convinced that God is the Savior. He is, my, he is the healer, the redeemer. And what He has done and what He is doing in my life is more powerful than anything in this world. If we really want to break it down and just meditate and be conscious of these things, there's enough problems in the air to kill all of us today. Should we think about it for a while? (laughs) There's enough contaminants and enough diseases and enough things flying around and birds and bees and bugs and everything. You can get stung on your way out of here today and you're you're gone. Hallelujah. I think we best just hunker down and close all the windows and die of depression or something. I don't know. There's a lot of problems in this world. And we can give a lot of attention to it. Or we can say in the midst of a perverse and crooked generation of a fallen world that's cursed, God is my protector. He is my help. He is my healer. He is my Savior. Amen. I'm not talking about, uh, about ignoring natural laws. I realize that if I step off the stage, I'm going down. Gravity's at work. I'm not going to be foolish in those regards, but I'm not going to constantly think about what could happen, what might be. And, oh, there's a little pain. Oh. I better look that up. Or I better run down to the emergency room. I better this. I better. That's living in fear. Come on now, even in our fallen world, many researchers and uh, medical practitioners and scientists have have come to conclusions that 90 plus percent of all diseases are mentally based. 
that they exist in people's bodies as a result of fear and worry and anxiety. And that is the source of all these things that we're looking for cures for. And then when it comes to us, we, you know, you get in the church, not here, but you get in the church and then all of a sudden it's the sovereignty of God. And it's not about how you're living in fear. It's not about worry. It's not about all this anxiety. It's not about living a flesh-based life and just being conscious and aware of all these things. It's about God's plan for your life. And maybe He needs another flower in His garden or an angel in the choir. Or some mysterious thing that we can't comprehend or understand or know. No! That's not why either. And we need to draw our consciousness and our attention back to Jesus and become aware of Him and the finished work of redemption and how He has made us free. And I want you to consider that that is the answer. That is the solution to the ills of life and society and all the world. And I'm telling you, there's no better message than Jesus. I've, uh, I've read before that, that uh, in order to spot uh, counterfeit currency, that the, way, that the primary method to doing that is not to study all counterfeit currency and to be able to identify it that way, but rather to handle frequently the real thing. To be very knowledgeable in practice of handling uh, the genuine article. Then when something bad comes up, when something that is uh, a fake comes along, it's noticed. Ooh, there's something wrong with this. Something wrong here. I want to, I want to reject that. I set that aside. But yet sometimes in, the, in, in our lives we think, I need to know about everything that's wrong. No, I think we need to know about everything that's right. And then when wrong things pop up their ugly heads, we recognize, oh, that's wrong. Nope, that's not good. Hmm. So I need to study every false belief. No, you don't. Study Jesus. Be well acquainted with Him. What He said, what He promised, who He is, what He's done. And when you start seeing things that way, everything else in life will be seen through that lens of accuracy. And things become clear. Hallelujah. But there's a great ignorance in the land today concerning Jesus. There really is. Even in a place like ours, that most people will recognize His name. Whether they cuss using His name, or uh, whether He's a religious figure in their mind, there's great ignorance. Whether He's just a historical figure. Many have great ignorance of Jesus. And what we want to do is help to clear that up. Most do not see Jesus accurately. Do not see Him the way He really is, but see Him through something that's been said, something that's been told them. And, uh, you know, in His day, He was accused of different things. He was called a drunkard. He was called a, a glutton. He was called a deceiver. And it wasn't true. But it was still said about him, and so some people believed, yeah, that's Jesus, he's a this, and he's a that. And, and, and today, different lies are being told about him, and he's portrayed in a wrong way. Uh, some say, well, 
you know, some religious ideas will just say, well, Jesus was a good man, or he was a prophet, but they won't say he was the Son of God. He was God manifest in the flesh. Some will say of him that, that, you know, they blame. They blame the Lord for tragedies, blame the Lord for disasters. You know, things are called an act of God when, you know, 50,000 people lose their life, and that's not accurate. That's not, that, that's not accurate concerning who the Lord Jesus is. That's not something he was involved with. And so, uh, you know, one of the lies I see sometimes is, is when someone's going through a problem, they will present the Lord as someone who will just help them through the problem as opposed to delivering them from the problem. And see, that's a, tw- that's a tweak right there. It's a tweak that's just a little bit off. Why? It messes with our belief system. It messes with our faith, thinking, okay, I'm in the midst of, of hell here, and the Lord will go with me through it. Okay? See, there's a little bit of truth there, but when you take out the fact that He has delivered us from uh, the curse of the law and from a lot of things, then we st- uh, see we miss out on seeing Him accurately. Now I'm not expecting him to set me free. I'm expecting him to hold my hand in my misery. And that's a different, that's a different level of faith right there. Say, well, I believe he will just hold my hand in the midst of it. Fine, then he will. But he wants to do so much more. He wants to be so much more to you. He wants to lift you up out of the miry clay as opposed to just saying, hey, I feel for you down there. You know, I mean, we know He cares for us. He's interested. No, He wants to lift us up. He wants to bring us out. He doesn't just want to cover your sins. He wants to wash them away. He just doesn't want to, just doesn't want to put a Band-Aid on a meager existence. He wants you to be born again. He wants you to experience His life again and again. And so a lot of things being said that just really aren't the case. Look over with me at Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews, the 10th chapter. Let's read over here in the first verse. Hebrews 10, 1, for the law. Now, you would know what the law is. That's talking about not the law of our country here. Talking about the law of Moses. The law that God gave Moses on Mount Sinai in the, back in the Old Testament. The book of you know, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy talks about the law. For the law, having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of those things. So it's, it was pointing to something better. It, it, it can never, uh, with all these same sacrifices, which they offer continually, year by year, make those who approach perfect. Okay, so in the law was a description of, you should have this sacrifice for these sins, you should have this sacrifice annually, you should, all the description of what uh, animal would have to die as a result of their fallen state and the sins that they had committed. He said, what, what all those things did, he said, they would never make anyone perfect. In other words, what's the goal? Perfect. That would be desired. That would be something that, that people would want. In, our, in, our, in other words, I don't want to be in a continual state of, of problem, of sin, of curse. I want to be completely fixed. But he's saying, here's the deal. Those animals, they couldn't do it. 
They would never fix you completely. They would never make everything perfect, so they had to be continually offered again and again and again. And that was just so God could bless them, so their sins could be covered, so they could have some resemblance of a God-connected life, even though it wasn't perfect, it wasn't complete. Verse 2, for then would they not have ceased to be offered? For, uh, for worshipers, once purified, would have no more consciousness of sins. Now, this is what he's saying again. Under the law, this didn't happen. They did not lose a sin consciousness. And he's saying here how that law was inferior to what we have in Jesus. He said then they had to keep coming. They had to keep coming. They wouldn't make anyone perfect. And they wouldn't remove a consciousness of sin. People were always aware that they were a fallen being, that they were sinners by nature. And he said that was bad. It wasn't perfect. He's describing its shortcoming. In other words, there is a desire for people to uh, to have no consciousness of sin, not to walk around living their life with an awareness of something wrong, but have an awareness of something right. A consciousness of the problem or a consciousness of right standing with God is the contrast. Verse 3, but in those sacrifices there is a reminder of sins every year. Every time they did this annual sacrifice, it's like, you're a dog. Let's go kill something for you. You are a rascal. You are a sinner. You are a problem. You need help. Let's kill something else and remind you again. That's the way you are. For it is not possible uh, that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. And then, of course, this is contrasted with Jesus. How he died, what? Once for all. So what, what what is it saying? This covenant we have now is better because now it'll make you perfect. This covenant we have now, it will remove a consciousness of sin. So you'll not live your life and continue all your days with an awareness of coming short, of being less than, without an awareness of guilt and inferiority and shame. He said because of what Jesus did, it's a one one and done, one time sacrifice, and forever now, all sins are washed away. And that's what we got. We think I'm take, take this, this for granted. And for thousands of years, it wasn't this way. But now, it is. Now, what, what, wouldn't it be a tragic thing for us in our day now, in this time, after the final sacrifice was completed, Jesus was raised from the dead, if we still lived with a consciousness and awareness continually of sin? I mean, that would be tragic for that, that problem of an absence of perfection to be solved, but we still lived as if it weren't solved. We still conducted our lives, thought about ourselves, our past, our future, as if sin were still present with us. It's like, man, Jesus went through a lot. For me to still think this way and live this way and believe this way, that's kind of troublesome. So, here's the point now. Everybody with me? We know for certain we're not supposed to be sin conscious. I'm not supposed to live my life feeling guilty about my past. I've received Him and it's gone. He doesn't remember it. Why should I? 
I'm not supposed to live my life feeling shamed, feeling like a rascal for the things I've done in, in my past. No, it's washed away, and now I stand right with Him. Everything is perfected. I, I stand holy, clean, and pure. Never does there need to be another sacrifice. Why? It's forever done, washed away. Now, when you understand Scripture and how the kingdom of God works, you recognize this, that sin and sickness and poverty and depression, all these things are in the same family. Really, they all stem from sin. It's been said that that sickness is the foul offspring of father Satan and mother sin. And these things are, are, are all connected. That's why we see in the redemptive verses that not only did He bore, uh, bear our iniquities, but He also bore our diseases. And again and again in Scripture, there, these things are put together. We've been redeemed. Redeemed means to be purchased or to be bought back. And uh, we've been redeemed from all this stuff. Why? So we would not have a consciousness of the problem. So just like it's stated very clear that we should not be sin conscious, we should also not be sickness conscious. We should not be problem conscious, lack conscious, darkness conscious. But He has redeemed us so we could live with an awareness, a consciousness of freedom, of victory over death, of healing over disease, of, of, uh, of help in every area of our life, everything that Jesus did, it was to establish a consciousness in us. In other words, not going back to this, God, you need to do something else, because I need help. No, I need to live aware that the help has already come. I need to be mindful of the finished work, that He's already abolished it, He's already dealt with it, He's already handled all these things. And now I live a life conscious of Him. Praise the Lord. All He did for me, His presence in my life, that He's constantly here, that all these things that He has provided are, are one and done, and now, what's left? Well, everything's okay. Well, everything's going to be just fine. You know, Jesus is smiling at you today. He's not frowning at you. He's not. Uh. But a lie is Jesus is mad. He's ticked off at all of humanity. As opposed to satisfied that, that his redemptive work cleansed and washed and his heart goes out to anyone who has not received his heart goes out to any of his children that continually live beat up in life continue to live under the the the, the pressure and and and, and the, the the results of sin in this world instead of being conscious of him i think there's a new way to look at things and i say new started a couple thousand years ago but it might be new to us. And when we see a problem, maybe we need a little reminder. And it says, nope, I'm saved. 
I'm healed. I'm delivered. I'm aware of Jesus. Well, what about... Well, hold on. No, Jesus. And when I say we need to be aware of Him, I'm talking about Him as a person who loves us. I'm talking about Him as the one who gave His life. The one who redeemed us. These are all finished works. He redeemed us. He saved us. He forgave us. He healed us. He delivered us. He set us free. He's given us victory. We now are in Christ. We are joint heirs with Christ in God. And everything that He did, He didn't do it for Himself. He did it for us. See, He was already God. He was already uh, living living the life. Living Zoe. But now... What did he do? He did it so we could experience life at his level. So we could have all that he has. He took all that we deserved. He became the curse. He became, he, he was punished severely and he was raised up so that we could now experience his life. What's our goal? What's our focus? It's to be conscious of and aware of him and what he did. And if we find ourselves groveling in the muck and the mire of this defeated, sin-filled, fallen world and all the problems and despair. Someone said, well, I have big problems. You're not, you don't know what's going on. Yes. Well, I may not know what you're going through, but I, I tell you what, I know what Jesus did for you already. And there's a way out. There's a solution. What if you thought about and were mindful of every day, all the time, Him, what He did for you? Oh, how that would make a difference. Oh, how that would make things change. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Father, we're so thankful today for what you've done. We're so thankful for Jesus. Oh, Father, I don't want anyone to forget about him. I don't want anyone to forget about Jesus. His finished work. His love. How he has redeemed us and made us free. And how now we can walk in victory. And we ought to. Live, live, and experience your best. Thank you, Lord, for revelation of truth. Eyes would be opened to see Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Lord, we want to see him today. So thank you for for working in our in our hearts first and in our minds so we can think like you we can live with you Father thank you for what you've begun we give you all the praise for it in Jesus name Amen, Amen Praise God The Lord is good